Druids and cars go into festivals. They can chat about things. It's a druid podcast in cars. Sometimes the best parts of festivals are the discussions that surround them, reflections on what we did and heard, anticipation of what's to come, and processing what it all means in relation to our spiritual work. We wanted to help either introduce you to that phenomenon or extend it for you. That's what this is about. I'm Reverend Jana Vende. And I'm Reverend Michael J. Dangler. We're priests of Arnriach Fane and members of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. We're recording these sessions actually live in cars, actually going to festivals and events, so you will hear road noise, turn signals, and navigation prompts. But that's part of what makes it fun. So... Sit back and enjoy Druids in cars going to festivals. So earlier this year, probably earlier last year, now that once this gets published, we're on our way back home from Harvest Nights 2019. We'll figure out when we're going to release this. But in late 2019, ADF released The Hearthkeeper's Way, which is kind of a new way of dedicating oneself to a druidic practice at home. And so, Reverend Avena is one of the primary authors of The Hearth, the Hearth Keeper's Way. Yeah, me and uh, Reverend Blackwelder and Reverend Lisa wasserkowski Malik and Reverend Kirk Thomas, we all worked on it together. Yep. And one of the questions that came in uh, when we asked for topics for this trip up to Harvest Nights and back was where did The Hearth Keeper's Way come from what was it like developing it, and what's the difference between that and the dedicate path? Are kind of the, the main questions that came up. So why don't we start off with where did it come from? Well, I'm going to kind of loop back around, because yeah. the, the how is it different from the dedicate path work, I think kind of informs where it came from. Okay. Um, so the, the idea for it is that we in ADF have long been a scholarly religion, a religion with homework. Um, and there didn't often feel like a place for people who just wanted to do druidry. And I'll argue that there has always been a place for people who just want to do druidry. I would agree. Um, but there was the, the feel or the perception that there was not. Um, and so what we wanted to do was we wanted to make um, something that a person who was interested in just being an ADF druid would have a way to develop a practice that aligned with our work um, in a way that didn't require them to do book reviews, um, that, that the only book they would really need, if they needed one at all, was this Hearthkeeper's Way book that we put together. Um, and really what the book does is it, it walks you through the core concepts of ADF Druidry. It walks you through what is Gosti and having a reciprocal relationship with the spirits. What spirits do we honor? Who are the kindreds? Um, what does a ritual look like or what can it look like? Um, so it kind of walks you through like those really kind of basic concepts. Um, and so the idea and the way that it's different from the dedicant path is that it is the practice of being an ADF druid at its core. 
I think that when I look at the Hearthkeeper's Way, and I look at the book in particular, especially as opposed to the Our Own Druidry Dedicate Path book, is that the Hearthkeeper's Way book is something that we have needed for a very long time, but not had, which is really an ADF 101 book. Yes, and that was part of it, like, when we went through, and with my background um, as a teacher, one of the things we really looked at was, is this accessible to people who have not graduated high school, right? Because we have a population not only of families with children, but of prisoners, and of people who graduated high school and may not be up to reading graduate level texts, which a lot of our intro material, a lot of our intro material is graduate level work. And that's really hard to figure out what you're supposed to be doing if you can't access the text and the learning. Right. Um, So I was able to leverage my background in that to make this a really accessible piece of material. Um, that I think you're right, it, it has been really, really needed. Yes. We've been talking for years about a book on how to do Druidry, and that, I think, is really what you've hit on um, with The Hearthkeeper's Way, and that's what your team has really developed. Right, and so that was that was the core of the book. And then, and then what we wanted to do was make this kind of twofold. So we have Druidry 101, how do I do this? Um, and then we wanted something in addition to help folks who are solitary in particular feel a kinship and a connection to the organization as a whole Um, because part of it is like you can do the druidry thing but why affiliate yourself with us if you can just do it like where's the purpose in that and so we wanted to give people a way to feel connected not not only to the organization but to each other and um, we wanted them to experience what, what I've been calling community in solitude, um, which is you, you are possibly worshiping alone or with a very small group of people, but you're still experiencing the sense of community of the, the wider ADF hearth community. Um, and, you know, we went about that a couple of ways. We have an opening prayer in a lot of the Hearthkeeper ritual work that talks about being a star in the sky of the spirit of ADF and being part of, being a tree within the grove of ADF and being a spark in the fire um, of the hearth of ADF. And and we tried to use a lot of language that, that made you feel like you were an integral part of the organization and of the spiritual community that we are. So you mentioned some of the things that you brought to the table. What did your coworkers bring to the table? So, um, Reverend Lisa brought the monthly rite because we decided that we were going to do um, moon rites as our main way of connecting the hearthkeepers because groves and and solitaries alike, the, the main focus is high days. ADF has always been very focused on our commitment to public ritual and doing these eight public high day rites. And so we thought for the hearth keepers, because this is about you, is that how, what was a way that we could have a, a common ritual that was not just a high day rite? Um, and so what we settled on was that a lot of, a lot of pagans work with the solar and the lunar rites. 
And so we ended up taking the idea that while the public work would all be high days, the solar rights, the private work would be these lunar rights. And so Lisa went through and she developed a, she developed the associating your hearth with ADF right. She's the one who, who went through and developed the language for how do you kindle your hearth fire and how do you connect it to ADF um, and came up with the, the ideas for working these lunar rites, um, which we ended up structuring ultimately as a meal rite with the idea that you would, um, it would be a time for you to come together with your family and your allies and share a meal. And it would be a very simple way of doing that. Um, which doesn't work for everyone. We had we had a whole bunch of beta testers run through our first draft, and that was one of the biggest things that people were like, I can't do this because I can't do a meal right. And that was one of the, the other things that Kirk was able to bring to the table was he was like our prisoner correspondent um, and helped us see people who are living in restricted conditions, how they can still access the material and so one of the things we did with the meal right is we were like you can the uh, here's the core of the idea you are celebrating the new moon in a very simple way where you're acknowledging your community you're lighting your hearth fire and reconnecting it to ADF and you're sharing um, offerings you're sharing the blessing with each other and then um, Reverend Sarah Blackwelder, she put together what we call the flames of the season, which are the working sections of all the high days. And what that is, is we focused on the, we took the nine virtues and decided, well, if you're doing the high days, piety is all of the high days. And then we took the remaining eight virtues and associated each of them with one of the other high days. And so she went through and she, she worked up this flame of the season where the working section of each of our high days is um, like a kind of reflective piece of work where you think about um, hospitality and how that applies to the season that we're in and, and there's one assigned to each, to each high day. Um, and it worked out really well. I think we all brought really important things to the table you mentioned beta testers. Yeah. Where did the beta testers come from, and, and kind of what did they represent? Okay, what yeah. What kinds of beta testers did you have? So we, we put out a survey, um, or like a call for testers, and got an overwhelming response to, to this. Um, and what we had done was, was this survey included things like, are you primarily solitary or primarily a grove practitioner? Are you, um, what hearth culture do you primarily work in? Um, what is your family set up? Are you, would you be practicing alone? Would you be practicing with a partner, with a family, in a multi-generational family? Um, what country do you live in? Um, what else do we have? Hearth culture. I, I said hearth culture, um... I feel like there might have been one or two other... Uh, oh, we, t we talked about, are you a non-dedicant, a dedicant, an initiate, a priest? Like, where do you fall in, this, in the study program completion area? 
And um, so, so we tried to get a, a broad range of the different ways that people practice and where they already are within the organization. And we, oh, and we did language. What language do you speak? Yeah. Is your primary language. And, and so we went through and <clears throat> tried to get as many different categories of people as we could um, so that we had this really broad range of people. And in the acknowledgments in the, in the front of the book, um, we actually put in there, like, here we had a spread of 13 hearth cultures and four countries, and, like, it, it was a huge spread of people, and, and we, we had such a good response, um, which allowed us to do that. <clears throat> so, and the beta testers went through the entire first draft, and we essentially turned them loose on the document and said make comments directly in the document if you want, please, we made a Google group and we're like, please have discussions with each other about how it's working for you, the things you would change, what language have you changed that made it work better for you, um, and turned them loose for a month in the document, and we had them establish their hearth, perform one of the new moon rites, and perform one of the high days. Like, that was, that was our requirements for them, was that you need to do those things and you need to commit to reading the book. And turned them loose on it. And there was a lot of really good feedback that allowed us to, like, completely restructure the book. We reorganized the whole thing from what we had, um, as well as make changes throughout all of the wording. I know that you submitted to the Mother Grove and it went through that process as well and came to the other side of that. And now you can find the, the document on the public side of the ADF website. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the conscious decisions that we made, was that we were not going to put this work behind the paywall. Because we wanted people who weren't sure about ADF to have a chance to really engage with our practice and then decide that if it worked for them, that then we encouraged them to join. Um, we didn't want people to be joining without knowing what they were getting into and then not being happy. And we hoped that it would also help with member retention. Because if people are joining with some idea of what they're doing, then they're more likely to stay. And if they feel connected and a valued part of the larger organization, they're more likely to stay. Um, and so we hoped it would, hoped it would help with that too. So if you want to find the document, you can go to the ADF website. Right. And find it there. You can search on, on yeah, the It's side one of the tabs down the side right now. Yeah, or but... you could Google search ADF Hearthkeeper's Way and it'll yeah. show up there as well. There's a landing page for it and the document's linked yeah. off of that. I hope that it'll um, eventually be turned into a book that can go to print and will be more e-reader friendly than a PDF. Um, we're not quite there yet, but we wanted to make sure we pushed out the materials and we're still working on getting the the better accessibility for print and e-readers. Do you expect a lot of people to move from the Hearthkeeper way, join ADF, and then become ADF Dedicants, or do you think everyone's going to kind of find their own way through that? I think it's really finding your own way, I, because I feel like a lot of people went into the Dedicant work when what they really wanted was the Hearthkeeper work. I think so, too. There are a lot of people who who have said, um, you know, I'm doing the dedicant path, but I'm not doing the documentation, um, because that's one of the things that we've offered before. Like, anyone can do the dedicant work, and to be considered a dedicant, 
all you have to do is document it and get it approved. Right. And so all of those people who are doing it but don't want to write stuff down, the hearthkeeper's way is much more aligned to what they, I think, actually were looking for. Um, and so I don't necessarily expect that people will do the hearthkeeper as a, as a stepping stone to the dedicant work, but I certainly think that if you're interested in doing the dedicant work and moving further in the study programs, that the hearthkeeper is an excellent supplemental resource. So this is probably the first thing that ADF has done that's uh, a study thing. Well, and we, we specifically did not call it a program. Right. That's why it's the hearthkeeper's way. Yep. Um, but it's it's a it's a study thing because you're you're learning the way. Yes. And but it's the it's one of those things. ADF has always required a dedicated path, and that is not required for this. Right. So all the other study programs, you have to do the dedicated work first. And we made a very conscious decision. Again, same way with we wanted it open to the public is that we didn't want to put a roadblock in front of this beginning work, like the how do you druid work, but that we didn't want a roadblock in front of that. Is there anything else you'd like to say about the, the Hearthkeeper's Way and the, the process of putting it together? Or where um, do you think it'll go? I'm really excited to see where it goes. I've already seen comments, because um, one of the things that we did is like when you decide to align your hearth with ADF, you can choose a hearth name if you want. So like you can not just be Joe Smith, Hearthkeeper of ADF. If you want, you can decide to be uh, Bridget's Triple Fire Hearth or something. Like, you can pick a name for your hearth that represents the things that are important to you in your work. So I'm really kind of excited to see, like, the different kinds of names that people pick because um, I, I find that really interesting. Um, there's also been talk of, like, getting some sort of token and the people who've started the hearth work are like let's make a token let's decide the kinds of things that a hearth keeper would have and agree on a way to make these things because the dedicants have a pin and the initiates have cords and the clergy have a stole and so the hearth keepers were like we want something but we want ownership in making it and so I've seen I've already seen smatterings of conversation about the, the ways that they are considering making those things and I will say that if you're interested in getting involved in those conversations the Sacred Fires SIG is kind of where they're happening right now um, which is one of the, the subgroups of ADF that you, you can join. You have to be an ADF member to Right, you have to, to be an ADF member to join that. That's part of like, we, we want to encourage anyone who wants to to do this work but if it does resonate with you and if it does align with what you're doing, then ADF would be a good fit for you, and please join. And if you don't have the money, we have compassionate memberships. But if you like this work, we would probably be a good community for you. Thanks for listening, and there's more to come. We welcome your ideas and questions. If there's something that you'd like to hear us discuss in a future episode, please drop us a line at druidsincars at threecranes.org. If you would like to donate, you can do so at threecranes.org slash donate. Druids in Cars Going to Festivals is a production of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. Learn more about our grove at threecranes.org and more about druidry at adf.org. 
As always, keep circulating the tapes and let us pray with a good fire.